Welcome to your 13th Beer Supervision, the podcast where we learn about the joys of working in mental health over a cold brew. My name is Aaron Rajamani, and I'm here with Jesse, Jesse Richardson. Hello, Jesse. Hello, How are you Aaron. Going? I'm, I'm not going to lie, Aaron. I'm a little bit depressed today. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah little... Sorry, I'm getting the podcast off Jesse, this is to a bang. This is a happy time. It is a happy time. I like... I, okay. I've taken to reading audiobooks on the drive down to Brunswick from, from Gippsland, Aaron. Oh, yes. And I've recently started reading uh, the witness statement that David Attenborough brought out on uh, climate change. <laughs> just, just some light reading. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not hopeful about the future. Oh, uh, just, oh, wow. Okay, good. What? How is that at all relevant? You asked me how I was doing. You okay, got the okay, okay, fair. All right, look, I should have been prepared for any answer. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah. Um, well, unfortunately, we're not going to save the cli- uh, solve the climate crisis in this podcast. That'll be for um, yeah the After Dark podcast. Mm. Um, yeah, but um, mm. today we're going to talk about. <laughs> but otherwise, health. I'm doing really well. Okay, I'm yeah. having a great time. Other- uh, loving life. Other than the like, yes. existential threat of the end of the world, yes. you're doing yeah. pretty well. Yes. Okay. Um, oh, that's good. Yeah. No, we're good. Okay. Good. Good. Happy good. To be good. <laughs> it's good. Well, I'm pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I've been I've been bl- blocking out that um, from my mind. Yeah. You know, so I can live. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah. How about we uh, talk about the podcast and stuff? That's good. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we're having we're gonna have a great episode today, um, and we're here also. Um, you might have hear, heard the laughing in the background <laughs> with our <laughs> with our very special guest Emily Unity. Say hi, Emily. Hi. I feel like we need to unpack that. <laughs> <laughs> No, you don't, we, don't, we don't need to unpack anything. No, let's, okay. let's just keep this very just surface level. So, <laughs> yeah, push right that, down. Push it way down. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, oh, cool. yikers. Yeah. So, um, so um, Emily is on the podcast today um, because she is a youth peer worker. And um, she's going to tell us a bunch about that and what that's like. Um, and we're going to learn heaps um, because... Um, I only know a limited amount of what it's like to be a youth peer worker and what that looks like. Um, so I'm really excited to learn a lot. And I'm sure um, you guys listening are going to learn heaps uh, from Emily, which is great. It's very exciting. <laughs> thanks for coming on. No, thanks for having me. Yeah, I do good. want to flag that like two things. One, I'm very lightweight. So if we drink this beer, I'm going to get weird. Oh. <laughs> good. Yes, we like weird. <laughs> good. <Okay. laughs> I mean, literally tagline of our podcast. <laughs> We like cool. weird. I yeah. think the second thing is like, I am sort of like a sentient puddle. So if I start like just crying at some point, it's totally normal. I'm fine. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Good. All right. Emotions are welcome here on okay. the podcast. Yeah. This is okay. <laughs> no, that's, that's only good. Jesse. Yeah. Jesse's the only robot on the podcast. Yes. Of <laughs> <laughs> A very lovable and welcome robot. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Oh, you know, robot, nice. like yeah. robot of my heart. Oh. <laughs> all right. I... My um, my programming leads me to to assume that that must be a good feeling. Yeah, yes. yeah, good. Yes. Well, hold empathy, on. the empathy bot. Please <laughs> go. Good. Yes. All right, so Emily, how about uh, we start by you just maybe telling us? I mean, I've mentioned youth pervert. How about you just tell us like what is your role? What are your 
qualifications or study that kind of thing and tell us a bit about like the kinds of like stuff that you've done in your role because i know you've done like lots of cool interesting things so i love to hear <laughs> just mention to our viewers so they get a, a impression of the kind of things you do sure yeah. um as an overview i think a youth peer worker is a young person of lived experience so mm. it's a person of experience of mental ill health yeah. um and peer work is sort of founded on that basis of that shared lived experience. So you work with another young person that has similar lived experience to you and you mm. walk alongside them in their recovery journey. Yeah. And it's like a really meaningful, wholesome thing that yeah. is not clinical. And I think that that's really important to stress is that right. yeah, current mental health systems are so clinical. And I think peer work is like a really big game changer for me specifically and mm. for a lot of the young people that I work with. Yeah. But yeah, like some of the stuff that I do, because it's very based around like what the young people want to do. Mm. So it's not like you walk into a service and you go have a one hour session with a psych. Like I ask them, what do you want to do? Like we can go up shopping. We can like chill out, have a coffee. And it's like turned into stuff like we go to a park and sketch a tree. Yeah. Or like we just go and we cry for an hour together. <laughs> or like we play video games a lot of the time. Like it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's... Go to the pub? <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately not. <laughs> I think my workplace would hate me for that. We'll get there eventually. Fine, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, yeah, and I, I know like you've told me a lot about like different kind of um, things you've done, like speaking roles and things mm. like that. Tell us a bit about that. Like what kinds of things have you done in that, in that yeah. regard? Yeah. Um, well, I first got involved with like lived experience advocacy, um, I think because it was really important to my personal recovery journey. Mm. So like I went through traditional model health, um, models of mental health and a lot of like medications and therapies were helping me to an extent. But I think the catalyst for me was like finding people that really understood what I was going through because they had lived it. Mm. And for me, I just really wanted to give back to people like that and show people that this is my experience. You're not alone. You don't mm. have to struggle with your demons alone, that sort of thing. Um, so I started getting into like voluntary type stuff when I was about 15. So like lived experience speaker roles where I would go into the community and share my experience and have that sort of like peer to peer discussion afterwards. But it was very much like a one-to-many type model. Like you mm. talk to a large audience. Um, and I think peer work is much more like one-to-one -one or like much more smaller settings. Um, sure. Yeah. And it's something that I'm a lot more connected with, I think. And I'm very happy to be part of this space. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, how mm. about we get to... This is an important part of the podcast, <laughs> yes. as always. I'm really looking forward to unpacking a lot, a lot more of that. Um, yeah, really. yeah. But yes, so as, good. as Aaron... Say. Look, I mean, I got to keep us on task, yes. and this yeah. is a very important task of the podcast. So as much as I appreciate you being on here, um, one thing um, I'm I'm a little bit disappointed about um, already off the bat. Yeah, um, Emily, love your work, uh, but you deprived me of my um, experience of going to Dan Murphy's and, <laughs> and picking out a beverage. Wow, um, but. I love How it. Unreasonable. I love it when um, <laughs> when guests bring along their own their own beverages. Uh, and so, so Emily, why don't you tell us what you've brought along today? Yeah. Um, so I'm in Melbourne at the moment, but I'm originally from Perth. Um, and this is a beer that's called Tingle Top from Boston Brewing Co. And mm -hmm. it's a brewing company that's in Denmark, in West Australia. So like a couple hours um, south of Perth. And I just I just really like it and it they have really good pizza there really good vibes and it mm. just sort of reminds me of the good vibes but I, yeah, yeah you guys won't know that so i just hope it tastes I'm, okay I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna taste and feel the good vibes okay. as i down this <laughs> can i'm sure <laughs> all 
already feeling it. Good. I like I like the um, the presentation of the can as yeah, well. Yeah, it's beautiful. It does scream good vibes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Alcoholic ginger beer is something that I almost never have. So this is also oh, okay. going to be a new experience for me. Well, not new, but yeah, you know, unusual. Okay, should, no. should we crack it? Let's crack yes. it. Let's crack it. <laughs> Oh gosh! Oh, it's bubbling! Oh, it's bubbling. oh no! Oh yeah! <laughs> that would be my ride over. I'm so sorry. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh no! My hands. Oh wow! They gingery. That would. Oh, I'm gonna get a tissue. <laughs> you, you, go, you go get. You go get your tissue. Oh, God, I'm. I'm, I'm so gonna. Con- I'm gonna. I'm gonna give some initial thoughts. Okay. Um, <laughs> my initial thought is this could do some damage. Um, because it is very easy to go down. Oh yeah, yeah, mm. it's so I'm sweet. Gonna take some of that tissue as well, actually. Yep. Mm. <laughs> crisis averted. Yeah. I'm delicious, so sorry. delicious crisis. Yeah, it doesn't taste alcoholic. No, no, it's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could fool me. <laughs> <laughs> you, could, you could give me a drink of this and just say like in a, in a cup. <laughs> like, yeah, no, it's just ginger beer, no alcoholic just content in it tea. at all, yeah. and. Um, and yeah, I'd slowly get into a lot of trouble. <laughs> I love the burn of the ginger go down. So yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Um, so uh, we started a bit um, on talking about what youth peer work is, but maybe maybe give us a bit more detail in mm. terms of like what are its, I guess, core aims and ideals how how does how did it come about? Why does it exist? That kind of thing. You know? Right. Um, I think one of the main things about it is, especially youth peer work, is it's about diminishing power differences. Mm. And I think that that's a huge thing as a young person when you go and you try to seek help. You're often, in my experience, you talk to a old white man, and like, <laughs> it's really hard to open up to someone that you don't relate to yeah. and is very foreign to you. But with peer work, I think that that's like a real game changer because you see someone that is in a similar age bracket to you and also identifies as someone of lived experience. Like it's very authentic and mutual. And people often describe peer work as like a reciprocal relationship. Like the peer worker actually gets a lot out of it as well. Hmm. And I think that that's very different for like psychologists and psychiatrists is that it's very much like a one-way relationship. Like you're treating symptoms, but Hmm. peer work is not about symptoms at all. It's about just identifying goals together and just doing that regardless of symptoms yeah it's like uh, yeah we're like i'm like every time i think about it it's like you know what's like um it grinds against like the yeah. professional kind of training <laughs> that you get as like a like a clinician or something like that where you're like you're trying your best not to let what that person ex- experiencing influence you yeah. you're supposed to be like the kind of objective provider yeah. of care kind of yeah. thing. It's like that building a relationship, but at the same time being really objective and, and not, not crossing any, any sort of like um, boundaries into more than just a professional relationship. Yeah. 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 It's a really hard thing to toe the line on. Um, mm. And like I, I have, so some of my qualifications, which none of my qualifications have actually led me to the role that I'm in, <laughs> which is kind of frustrating. Yeah, well, what are you called? What qualifications do you have? Uh, um, so I have a bachelor in computer science and I also have a bachelor in psychology. Right. So like I did initially start studying psychology to become a psychologist, but I don't feel like I want to work on like that sort of clinical level and be that yeah, unfeeling, not unfeeling, but like... No, I, don't, I don't feel, <laughs> you know? I do not feel. He's a robot. Look, what are you no. going to do? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. 
that's segwayed so well it's together. So, it's like, so good. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned like you had like the undergraduate degree in psychology. I yeah. leaned right in. I'm like, yes, here it comes. <laughs> Give it to me. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> Please continue. Sorry. So, so you 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 think psychology is rubbish because? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. no, yeah. Oh, um, maybe if you get a few more drinks into me, I'll say that. But like, <laughs> I think like in my studies, they do try to like box young people, people in general, into discrete things, like mm. you know stuff like the DSM. Yeah. Like you have to fit this sort of model. If you don't fit that model it doesn't work for you or you're the problem that it, it feels like that as a young person, if you mm. go and seek a type of therapy and it doesn't work, like it feels like it's, it's my fault. Um, yeah. I need to do something better. Um, and I think peer work is much more young person centered and you base everything about what they want to do and you work with them and you grow yourself as well. Mm. Um, so yeah, but that is a challenge, like having both the clinical knowledge from my academic study and like the peer work experience is that you do mm. drift between the two. Like my, it's not like I can shut off like, oh, there are some presentations of like this type of thing. Um, maybe this might work for them. That's not my job. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's like something that you have to actively resist thinking mm. about rather than like, oh, I'll just integrate this. And it's like, it's, 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 it, do, it they actually shouldn't mix in a yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like oh. I've tried to put that aside and like talk to like the psychologist or the psychiatrist that's also working with my young people and be like, Hey, I think this might be happening. Maybe you can explore this. Um, but it's not part of my job. And I think that it would ruin that peer relationship yeah. if I did do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, yeah. I was just thinking that like, I mean, if, <laughs> if it was um, to the point where you were having to rely too much on the, the clinical um, side of your, mm. your um, previous um, education, then it would, it would completely ruin the, the relationship that you formed with this this person and and you know we know that the relationship you form with someone accounts for so much of that change it, it's yeah. just nice to have uh you know people out there where that is the that that's it yeah um and there's no sort of like clinical well, applications that's, that's actually so interesting because like we always talk about how like you know like a huge part of the change that you see um in a in a person being able to move from one place to another is the relationship they have mm. with a the therapist. But it's like, it's still like not the focus or the primary thing when we're like, do, like in terms of our education or, mm. or like, mm. that kind of stuff, it's like the, the clinical treatment side is like, well, this is the focus, but like, we all know that the relationship is like a huge, huge, huge percentage of what actually makes a big difference. Yeah. Mm. You don't have units on rapport building. Yeah. 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 I, I what think, are your thoughts? Yeah, well, I, th I think, I think you, you, you see, do, it seems yeah. like you disagree with what I said. I'd <laughs> I, like to know why. I, I, disagree, I disagree slightly because I think in um, in, in my training at least, yeah. um, the the relationship was something that was okay, right? Was cool. Drummed up pretty, right. Um, pretty significantly. Sure. Um, right. And then it's like using that then as a springboard to apply the the clinical mm. training. Yeah. And okay. and I think with youth particularly, um, the the role of that relationship is is even more important because yeah, um, yeah as you mentioned before, Emily, it's breaking down that. Power power imbalance between um you know the the um therapist and then the, and then the young person is i think a huge part of um clinical practice with with uh, children and young people as well yeah. um so yeah I, while i um while i think you know, we we obviously do place a, a fair bit of importance mm -hmm. on the therapy that we're providing i think we we also do um look at okay look at all right I'll, I'll concede that point for now. Yeah. for now for now for now <laughs> 
We'll see. We'll em- see where the conversation leads us. Empathy, <laughs> empathy bot one, Aaron <laughs> zero. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> So how did you get to, um, so you told us a bit about it, but mm. like, what's your, what was your like kind of path from like <laughs> computer science to peer work? I mean, like what was, what, like, maybe tell us a bit about like, you know, kind of what led you to being like, actually peer work is something that I want to do after studying all this and, you know, why did you choose it and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. This is going to be a really weird answer. Okay. Yeah, yeah. sure. No, give, give, give <laughs> please. <laughs> So like I came from, so I'm a person of Asian background mm. um, and I have very, like, I don't know, my parents' culture has definitely influenced the way that I think about the world and the mm. way that I wanted to like pursue careers and stuff like that as well. Yeah. So when I finished school, I was like, I'm going to be an engineer or a lawyer or a doctor. Yeah. And so I started studying engineering, hated it, took a break. Yeah. And then I was like, computer science, thinking that would be very different. It wasn't. Um, oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But then I um, did software development for a little bit. Um, But all this while, like in the background, I was volunteering with mental health. And that's like a really big part of like my passion and everything. Like computer science, I can do and I do Mm. find very interesting, but Mm. it's not, I don't feel like I'm contributing to something. I don't feel like Mm. I'm helping people. Um, So yeah. And then I don't know, I just got a bit more into volunteering and then I made the move from Perth to Melbourne and the mental health scene here is just a lot more progressive and a lot more constant I think and um, specifically for youth as well right so just started getting more involved in that sort of stuff and then was like oh I'm just gonna stop doing software development and take like 50% of a pay cut and go into psychology (laughs) 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 which was very real but it was very rewarding Um, so yeah I just started getting involved in that sort of stuff here um, and started hearing about like lived experience roles because initially I thought it was just like a speaker type thing. Like you're raising awareness, you're doing advocacy, but I didn't know that it could fit into a clinical model. Like that was very different to me and I would really want to pursue something like that. So I, I learned about that through like my various volunteering and my other professional roles and just sort of fell into it really. Like I didn't, yeah, yeah I didn't have a specific like point where I was like, that's exactly what I want to be. Um, I was just sort of offered it at one point. I was like, wow, that exists. And then, yeah, really passionate about it now. Yeah. What do you like about it? Like, what's, like, exciting to you about doing what you do? It seems just very different. It's definitely the most rewarding thing that I've ever done. Like, my friend the other day um, posed this question to me if, like, if everyone in the world was paid the same thing for the job that they do currently, like, what, what job could you do? Like, what job would you choose if you just got the same wage? And I'd probably be still doing this. Like, I'm just, wow. yeah. yeah, very, very happy to be here and, like, the difference that I feel like I'm making with my young people and they're making with me is just incredible. Um, and I feel like also the advocacy that we're doing in the mental health system more widely as young people and as peer workers is just huge. And I'm so excited to be part of that change. Yeah. Bloody yeah. love that answer. So <laughs> good. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. That's, a, that's a speaker right there. <laughs> I think when, when um, I really love it when I, when I hear people, uh, you know, tell, tell stories and give examples such as that, where, where it's like, you're in a, you're in a field that, or you're studying in to go into something that could be, you know, financial, financially much more rewarding, but mm. um, you, you realize this, this just doesn't line up with maybe what I value, what I want to do. Yeah. And you, you, the, the thing I find so exciting about it is the quality of work you you would be able to do given the the passion that you have for what you're currently do, doing. Um, 
is just just increases tenfold and mm. that's how you know it's like you you do you do you do good work um and that, that's awesome i love that i'm gonna, i'm gonna have a drink to that <laughs> <laughs> hey <laughs> i'm conscious that like i'm just probably gonna get more and more red as this podcast goes okay. <laughs> the asian flash is real well Luckily, this is an audio medium, so (laughs) (laughs) nobody will ever know. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I was gonna say say something. I forgot. Um, Oh yeah, it was about like. So you talked a bit about doing like advocacy type Mm. stuff. Um, What do you mean by like? What kind of? What are like the frontiers of like youth peer work advocacy? Mm. What kind of stuff needs to get done or? things you're passionate about doing or have done in terms of advocacy stuff i sort of like divide my role when i try to explain to other people um into three bits so like mm. one bit is like one-on-one work or group work with yep. young people um and then the other two parts are different types of advocacy one is like advocating for the young person so when you're in a clinical setting you're working with the rest of their team you're advocating for their rights you're speaking for that young person and trying to give them more holistic care um and then the other part of advocacy is like just developing peer work and lived experience work more widely across the sector. Um, because it really, I feel like it's been forgotten historically. Um, but there's heaps of work being done currently in lived experience work, like recently with the Royal Commission. I don't know whether I should be talking about this, Oh yeah. <laughs> but like there were two like huge recommendations about lived experience. Mm-hmm. And there was one like lived experience workers all across the sector, like from management to like on the ground workers. Mm. And then the second one was like a dedicated non-governmental lived experience agency made like for and with people lived experience where okay, yeah. Yeah, it's just like a great networking type thing. We build like professional development, career type stuff and just a bigger advocacy body. It's yeah. so exciting. Yeah. It's awesome. I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to ask about it. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, so what? The, um, in terms of that kind of network, is that mm. is that something that I think it's something we've talked about off the podcast? Like, is that something like your um, that you struggle with in terms of there being a lack of that kind of network oh, and yeah. structure and governance type stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I feel very privileged to be one of the few lived experience workers in the sector currently, um, mm. but what you'll often find is that when you sign up as a peer worker, what isn't included in the job description is that you're probably going to be the only youth peer worker in your team. And Mm. that is like, there's so many things to navigate with that. You have to justify your space within the team. Like you almost have to like bring around your contract of employment, being like, I am okay to be in this space. Please listen to my voice. Like Mm. it's, it's really difficult. Um, and I think having like an agency of people where it's more recognized and there's a bigger group of people you have a lot more people in your space and backing you up so you don't have to just advocate for yourself as well as your young people yeah yes like yeah the because like what i'm hearing is like there are like other professionals who maybe haven't worked with youth peer workers Mm. before will maybe not really fully understand the extent or the scope or your capacity Mm. and so will i guess mean that they inadvertently or invent like limit what you can do or is that, is that what, I'm, what, what it is? There's a couple or? of things. Yeah. Um, I think for me, in my experience, it's sort of presented as like, um, like one thing is because, you know, it's part of the job requirement that you have lived experience in mental ill health. And I think a lot of people do, but it's not like very explicit in a workplace. Mm. Um, mm. So a lot of your coworkers either like tiptoe around you or like they are quite insensitive to you and tend to like 
I've been lectured about things that I've lived through and it's not a great experience. Sure. Um, and then another thing is like in your, when, if you're in a clinical setting, especially like your voice isn't held to the same value as like academic or clinical knowledge. Um, and it's really hard to advocate to like get access to clinical information and that sort of stuff. And you do need to have access to that because you're working with the young people. Um, I think another thing is like, for me specifically, like, you know, I have my own recovery journey and Mm. I have my ups and downs in mental health. Like if I have a down and I take some time off from work and I come back, it feels like my team is just scared of me. Mm. And it's just, it's awful. Um, And you feel like, personally for me, I'm very like self-sacrificial. I feel like I need to be holding myself to a certain standard. So I need to be like well enough to provide treatment. Mm. And I think that that's, you know, that self-stigma that I have is held more widely in the actual organization. Um, and yeah, like if I have that, obviously other people are going to be thinking about that too. And it's, it's really hard to combat all that if you're by yourself in that team. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be good when, you know, more, more of that lived experience and peer workers start mm. coming in because, um, it'll allow you to actually get down to not just, um, kind of like splitting your time between, justifying being there and, yeah. and then advocating for, for the young person. And um, I, I, I don't mean that as a joke. No, no. I mean, absolutely. And, and, yeah, and yeah, you, can, you can actually yeah. spend more time doing the good quality work that yeah. you're, you're there to do. Yeah. Exactly. I think that's, I think the um, the changes that are going to be coming is going to be really exciting. I'm, I'm really yeah. looking forward to seeing, um, watch, watching that space for sure. Me yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's interesting. Yeah. I'm just I'm just processing whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's so, yeah, it's yeah, it's so far beyond my own experience of like working mm. within the field. You have to deal with like a whole nother multiple layers of things that you're dealing with beyond mm. just doing your job. Yeah, yeah, like I've been in like mental health roles where it isn't explicit that you have lived experience and if I need to take a mental health day, like that's a lot more okay. And mm. if I come back then it's okay. Um but with this like say um the way that my team currently works is like we have psychologists and access workers and they work with young people and they're like, oh, you know, like maybe this person has something in common with Emily and maybe they have shared lived experience. But the thing is, is that they won't know that unless they know my recovery journey. Mm. And I feel very confident that I can tell my team like what I've gone through. Um, and I feel very pri- privileged to be in a team where I can be honest about that. But a lot of peer workers can't be like I've I've sent out like bullet point lists of like my diagnoses and stuff right. like that. Right. Okay. And that was like really scary for me, but I do feel very supported in my team currently to do that. Um, mm. But many, many people do not. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And in terms of like, so I was going to discuss this later, but since it's come up, mm. like um, in terms of like um, those kind of boundaries in terms of like disclosure with mm. the team and that kind of stuff, like what kind of, lessons have you learned or advice might you give to um people who are getting into the field in terms of disclosure or um i guess navigating managing their own mental health while working that kind of stuff yeah, yeah. um specifically with disclosure i'll mm. just start with that one yeah, i think yeah. that like you do need to constantly check in with yourself um and i i'm very lucky to have like all that lived experience speaker advocacy type stuff mm. training is like that mode that I'm in can change at any point. Like something that I might be comfortable talking about three minutes ago, I might not be comfortable talking about now. And Mm. I think you do need to monitor that because in a workplace, you're seeing these people every day and you can't really change your mind so easily. Yeah. Um, I think for people with experience, 
for me especially, I tend to want to be like, I'm okay enough to talk about this sort of stuff. Like I'm trying to justify my, my place here. I'm strong enough. But I think it's about being honest with yourself when you're not comfortable. Um, and if you're not comfortable with a certain workplace and they're expecting too much of you, you're not going to gel well with that. Like you mm-hmm. might as well go look somewhere else. Um, yeah, I think it's it's honestly like <laughs> this is a really tough thing to talk about because there's a lack of training around this sort of thing specifically for youth peer workers as well. Because often if you're a peer worker and you're working in a certain institution, you might have lived experience of that institution, which is great for your young people because you can help them navigate that. Hmm. But it also means that you're often working with your own clinicians and you're working within a service that triggers a lot of things for you. It's, Yeah. yeah, it's so hard. I think there needs to be more like literacy about what, are the best practice guidelines and hmm. how peer workers can be supported to find their own boundaries. Cause it's definitely still something that I'm trying to navigate a lot. Mm. Yeah. Cause it's, it's really is like a developing field really. Like it mm. still seems like things are very much in the air and still new and you're still working it out. What is that like? Like, what is it like being part of like <laughs> the cutting edge of a new, new, <laughs> new field? Trailblazer. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Is it, is it um, cool or is it, um, scary or exciting or what is it like? Uh, everything. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like really exciting yeah. to be one of the like few people at the moment in Victoria. Um, but also really awful because you don't have enough people to back you up. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's really, it's a really great space. If you have a good number of people around you that are in like respected already professions, like psychiatrists and psychologists that do believe in you mm-hmm. and give you the flexibility to explore your role more because with peer work, it's very, like specific to each peer worker, like each peer worker does their job very differently. And I think if you have a very supportive team, you can have that flexibility to just be like, ah, I'm going to discover what I want to do with my young people rather than fit into some, well, there is no existent model of peer work. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Wow. (laughs) That's a lot. That's a lot to have on your shoulders. Just like figuring it out as you go. Yeah. 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 Social work has, many many years of foundations and theories and things that that you get taught and you build on yeah to lean back on yeah Mm. i think that's like difficult for me is with my academic study like you know all these like procedures and codes of conduct and that sort of thing like even documents upon documents on how to take case notes in best practice ways and for peer work there's like nothing with that yeah and there's like i haven't been offered much training because there's not much training to be offered specifically for peer work or even more so for youth peer work so it's it's just hard to find like Mm. research that actually backs what you do i can imagine that that um lack of of research and kind of like clearly defined um, Mm. sort of structure within working in would make it quite difficult when things get maybe a bit hard in Mm. the workplace I, i can imagine just um yeah, think thinking about the way that I kind of respond to difficulties that arise in the workplace, mm. that it would be really hard not to internalize the difficulties yeah. of, of work as, as being something that is maybe more of a, a problem with, um, you know, maybe say how you're doing the role rather mm. than the than anything systemic else, stuff. than the systemic issues. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, mm. I I'm a person that just naturally feels a lot more guilty for things yeah. that I shouldn't feel guilty about. Mm. So yeah, there's definitely stuff like that where I feel like even though it's the system or the structures around me that has let me down, I feel like I'm letting my young people down. Yeah. And I do need to reflect on that a lot more. And I think mm. 
that's something that I do like very often is try to debrief with the people that I care about and yeah. my professional coworkers and like mm. just be like, it's not my fault. Like, yeah. and here's the work that we can do and yeah. the advocacy that we can mm. do to like change that. But it's, it's definitely easier to do that when you've got an, a really nicely defined structure yeah. and system around you. So that's, yeah, yeah that's, that's tricky. Mm. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've, I've just been like, cause you were talking, I was mulling over like, um, the concept of, um, like, experience is like a valued mm. i don't know what's the word commodity i don't know what's, what's the word? I don't know. like it's like it's in terms of like you know professional know knowledge mean. and experience like that yeah. like, like i know because like, we've, we've talked about this before how like it's hard it's hard for people to understand that um having experience with mental illness is uh equivalent or like it is just as important as you know like clinical knowledge or if not more yeah. so or, yeah like tell me tell me more about that i don't know how to like word my question but like i know, I know that's something mean. that you've talked to me about before <laughs> yeah but like like try to get the um get professionals to understand the value of experience yeah, yeah. um there's like a language term that i really like so there's experts by profession um and then there's experts by experience and i really like those sorts of terminologies Ooh, um but i think the way that i try to explain to people like the difference between like clinical academic expertise and like experts by experience is like um like say if you try to imagine a time in your life where you've had like a relationship falling out with someone that you care about it could be like a friend or even like a breakup but try to imagine that it's like actually happening to you and there's like mountains of books about social psychology and attachment styles but none of those books will know your situation and the intricacies of your relationship better than you because you've lived through it and you know your feelings better than anyone else mm. and i think that that's something that is applied to the mental health context so that's sort of lived experience that's the way that i try to explain it to people that right. aren't very familiar with mental mm. health yeah okay yeah um and so like i guess what um what would you like to see, I suppose, in mm. terms of how it's how experience is valued in um, the, I guess, professional context or like the mental health system mm. context? Um, so I, whilst I'm talking about like the value of lived experience, I also think that there's a lot of value in clinical and research. Um, so I think it's about partnering together and keeping both those things quite constant um, mm. because I think people with lived experience can make services so much more relevant because they're living through it right now. Whereas research is often, you know, you're looking back into the past, you're looking at things that aren't as relevant and specifically in that local circumstance as well for local services. Um, so I think it is about partnering people, so experts by profession, experts of experience together mm -hmm. and holding equal weight. Um, but yeah, at the moment it's very undefined. I think often people with experience are held quite tokenistically in a lot of circumstances. Okay. Um, yeah. And I think it's the same sort of thing that goes for like stuff like youth participation and consumer participation more widely is that you're often consulted, but not like part of the design process. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So right. really kind of like weaving it into the, the very fabric of, of the, um, the system. Exactly. Yeah, rather than, as you mentioned, kind of being like a token. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. It's definitely something that I've noticed in the past in terms of like, yeah, like, service user involvement it's like the system has already essentially been created what are your thoughts about it what can we tweak yeah. you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. definitely about that yeah, yeah it's very much like oh I, we forgot to involve people with experience let's do it now at the end and get that two cents <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're not going to change anything but, yeah, you know. yeah. <laughs> oh so depressing <laughs> <laughs> 
how are we going with the beers? The ginger beer. How are you feeling so far? I really like this. Am I'm really I? glad. Yeah, thank Yay. you. Um, yeah. Oh, I mean, that's that's all I'll, I'll yeah. say about it now. Okay, yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah, so I don't want to spoil the review. not the review section of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> People get mad if we spoiled the review section before the review. Yeah. We'd have rights. Yeah. No. <laughs> Yeah. They, we would get cancelled. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Honest, honestly, for the best. But yeah. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I totally forgot to talk about, like, you asked me about boundaries, and I think I've spoken about, like, boundaries with my clinical co-workers, but not so much about my boundaries with my young people. Mm. Oh, yeah. Sorry, sure, yeah. Um, That'd be great. I actually can't cover that now because oh, you, you forgot oh, about right, it. Okay. Yeah. Um, that was, that was like, the the earlier in the podcast. Sorry. Um, <laughs> We have strict rules. Yeah. We need to follow them. It seems like we don't know what we're doing, but actually, this is very highly structured. <laughs> Sorry. Oh Stick God. to the script. Shit. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Abort. Abort. Uh, no, I would love to hear more about that. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think that that's something that I'm, I seriously, like, I struggle with at the moment, and I'm constantly trying to navigate. Because um, I've had, you know, I'm so focused on trying to diminish that power dynamic that I'm trying to make like a really mutual um, space where they feel like they can really talk to me about anything. I share myself with them as well. But I've had um, probably like 40% of my young people be like, so what do you do for a job? And I'm like, this, this is, this is my job. I'm doing my job right now. Um, And it's hard for them to sort of conceptualize that I'm getting paid to support them and that this is like a professional relationship because I do try to make it as mutual as possible. Mm. But I think for me, like, some of my young people, because it is so like low barrier, they do ask for things and I have trouble saying no sometimes, just just me as a person. Um, and I think that that's something that I definitely have been navigating a lot more around. So like stuff like you asked me earlier, if we go to the pub, I've definitely been asked that several <laughs> times. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, sorry, no, I can't do that. <laughs> I would get lynched, but like... <laughs> <laughs> It's just <laughs> high stakes. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's like what you can and you can't talk about, whether how much of yourself you want to give away to mm. them. Because like it's very individual to each peer worker as well. Like I know some peer workers that um, connect with their young people on their personal Facebook accounts and stuff like that. Whereas for me, like I do try to make different accounts that I connect to my young people on. I do mm. try to keep myself quite separate because I'm a very empathetic person. I find it hard to shut off from work and hard to stop thinking about my young people. Um, mm. Yeah, so it's just lots of trying to find those different barriers um, and boundaries with each each young person because it is very individualistic. Because mm. I think for, like, mm. in, in, like, training for psychology, um, <laughs> I remember this training that I went to um, where this guy was like, oh, you know, no physical contact. If a young person tries to give you a hug, here's how you can dodge it. And I remember we had, like... <laughs> 15 minute training on how to dodge a hug. Um, it was oh, man, so stop. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Just run out of the room. <laughs> yeah. So I think like those sorts of like clearly defined boundaries of like, you're not allowed to accept gifts, you're not allowed to touch them, that sort of stuff is very different for peer work because I do hug my young people. Mm. Um, some of them and like I have accepted some gifts from them like over Christmas one of them baked me a couple cookies and like that's something that I discussed with my manager and I was like is this okay am I gonna like <laughs> yeah, yeah. can I accept the cookies yeah, the co- <laughs> they look really good 
Did they, t- did they taste good? Yeah, it tasted really yeah, good. Really? Yeah. They, should really nice. they should really write a cookie policy. It's <laughs> clear for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like I have no idea about those sorts of things. I've tried to look for like policies and there's some like literature in like the UK and the US about youth peer work, but very little in like the Australian context and specifically like our local context as well. Mm. So I do look to like my management and I think my role and a lot of young youth peer worker roles are defined by the teams that they're in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause I think like for me, like the boundaries, they can be gray, but usually it's like, there's a pretty kind of clear hard line where you're like, this is where you draw the line. Doesn't matter if the rapport is going to be better this way. This is just where the line mm. is. It just has to be like that. And you just deal with where it is. But yeah, it's much more complex for you where it's like, it's just like a massive gray area where it's like <laughs> lots of different things. Like, oh, this could be okay. This might not be okay. It's like, yeah. yeah. And it's like, yeah, no clear. You just have to figure out what would be appropriate in the specific context. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't think you Snapchat your young people. No, I do not Snapchat my young people. Good, Aaron. Good. <laughs> well, yeah. Wow, yeah. So wild. I don't, I, mean, I don't play video games with young people either. Yeah. If only. That'd be great. Uh, it's, it's such a good medium of like, yeah. I mean, the same sort of thing as like art therapy. I mm. think like you are focusing on a shared task. You're creating something creatively mm. together. And for video games, it's like, I often play the video game that the young person is really passionate about. And so yeah. they're teaching me about it and they feel comfortable in that virtual space and they can open up a lot easier. Such a good way of wow. building, building rapport and relationship with the young person. I love yeah. it. It's, it's good fun. Yeah. But yeah, like just yeah. the idea of like being, going to the place in which they are most comfortable mm. in order to, yeah. dis- to discuss things that yeah. they make them feel insecure. And that's why I feel bad about like a lot of professionals in the industry currently is that they're not allowed to like you have like we're not allowed. I've I've done it so many times. (laughs) What? What do you mean? We never around it at. um, Oh yeah, yeah. I'd bring my I'd bring my PlayStation in, and and if I had young kids who were like a little bit a little bit tricky in in terms of engagement, Mm. then I was like, okay, let's let's build this relationship off on a on a good yeah on a good footing. Let me destroy Um, you in Mario Kart. Yeah, I'd I'd come in. I'd bring my PlayStation in. I'd, I'd. bring out Rocket League and yeah. it would just, I'd, I'd absolutely smash them. Put them in their uh, place. Yeah. Good. <laughs> but, uh, it, it was such an effective uh, means I found for some kids of actually yeah. engaging them and getting getting them even just talking in some instances. Exactly. Um, yeah. It's, it, it was, yeah. I love it. it yeah. yeah. So good. Right. New therapy. Is, is there research into the therapeutic effect of video games? Because there yes. definitely should be. Yes. Yeah. 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 Oh. It's it, heaps. It's great. It's good. Yeah. Oh, good. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Good to know. <laughs> um, yeah, no, definitely. I, I just love like you know you get you get a six year old into into your room and you just play Grand Theft Auto Five. Oh no, you don't do that because that would that would be very irresponsible. So anybody listening, don't do that with a six year old uh, or any of your clients for that matter. <laughs> Seven year olds, you yeah. know, think about it. Yeah. <laughs> Although I was very shocked when I started the the work that I, I I've, I'm currently doing to find that there are plenty of six year olds out there playing Grand Theft Auto. 5. <laughs> Oh no, that is naughty. <laughs> Don't do it. Yeah. Any six-year-olds listening right now? No. <laughs> wow, Aaron, you just you just you, you just like attacked fifty no. percent of our oh, viewers, no. <laughs> viewership. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Don't tell your mom. <laughs> no. 
Oh no. Okay. <laughs> Focus, Aaron. <laughs> so, um, how about we now talk about, um, in terms of like advice that you would give to people thinking about getting to the field or mm. pretty new to the field. Um, like what are some, I guess, good reasons for wanting to get into it? Oh. And like, what kind of things should they expect when they get into it? Yeah. Sure. Um, good reasons. Yeah. I think connecting with someone over lived experience is just invaluable. Um, like if it, it's, it's crazy, like connecting with some of my young people and like hearing the stuff that they've been through. Um, and then you'd be like, yeah, me too. And then you can share a bit about themselves. Mm. And there've been so many times where my young people have been like, you are the first person that actually wants to talk about this. Like they acknowledge that other young people might have been going through something like that, but they won't be honest about it. And they get like really emotional about it. And then I turn into a puddle and it's like, <laughs> it's so lovely and healing. And it's so nice to like sit with someone and be like, yeah, it's pretty yeah. shit. And it's okay to feel shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's very different because I think we're also expected to be like, you go to the therapy session and then if you don't like get better afterwards, then that's it but peer work is like it's okay to feel however you're feeling um and we can walk together along that and explore that together so anyone that's looking to get into peer work i think it's a really exciting space and it's so rewarding for everyone involved but yeah there are quite a few barriers currently i think just because it's a very new field um and there needs to be a lot of like culture change within the system and organizations about accepting people lived experience in the workplace I think that's that's probably the biggest thing for me is that there's a lack of like understanding so lots of stigma and there's also a lack of structures that can support you in the field that you're going into so just be aware of that mm. and like don't don't be afraid to like reach out to other peer workers that are working in like different spaces or other lived experience workers because there are people out there um but it yeah you're often quite alone yeah okay yeah yeah so there's a lot to gain but go in with your eyes open. That, yeah. You know, there's, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's lots you need to consider and prepare yourself for. Definitely. Yeah. Okay, cool. That makes sense. Um, and in, how would someone get into peer work? Like, let's say they no idea, just like, just heard this and like, oh, okay, mm. yeah, maybe peer work is a thing. Like what, what should you do to prepare yourself or train yourself or whatever you need to do and, and what's the kind of like a career path maybe or like yeah like that yeah I remember um because before this you were like what's the career path and I was like there's a path um <laughs> 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 so I was like I was thinking about it and I was like oh I'm gonna go look up the like the actual position description that I apply for and see what's in there mm -hmm. and I think for a youth peer worker you need to be within a certain age bracket and you need to identify as someone a lived experience and be able to advocate for people lived experience and share your experience in a, like a safe and productive way and that is basically it okay like you can have just having your lived experience is enough and I think that that's really powerful in itself and mm. something that the industry should value a lot more mm. right okay but you can yeah. bolster it with stuff like you know having some qualifications within peer work or counseling or just like active listening or lived experience advocacy that those are great things to just put alongside it mm -hmm. but most peer worker jobs don't require you to have any of that like it's it's just you're an expert of your own experience and you're going to use that lived experience to help other people. Mm. And it's so powerful and amazing. But yeah, <laughs> I don't know. You need to be aware of like the fact that there is not really a pathway afterwards currently. Okay. Hopefully in the future there will be. Um, mm. But at the moment it's maybe like youth peer worker and then like senior youth peer worker where you supervise other peer workers. Okay. But 
that's about it. Like, there's not really another place to go from that. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah, because just like general peer work and youth peer work are fairly distinct in the way they mm. operate as well. Is that right? Yeah. 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 Adult peer work and youth peer work are very separate. And I think mm. there's a lot of like, especially in hospitals, there's a lot of adult peer work. But youth peer work is comparatively like a really underdeveloped field. And there's lots of inconsistencies about like even like the age range and like age flexibility and like access to clinical information and like threshold of wellness and stuff like that like lots of different changing way, like things that you need to meet to in order to receive that job mm. yeah yeah right okay and and what all right so i guess this is the final question is like what um what motivates you to i guess move through all those different intricacies and difficulties um, in order to get to the the stuff that you want to do, like what mm. kind of motivates you to get through all that? Because it's it's not a simple kind of path you've you've chosen to go <laughs> <Yeah>. down. <laughs> so why, why did you choose it? Why do you do it? Continue to do it? Why should other people? Why? Wh- how would you, I guess, speak to other people considering it? Is this something worth yeah. figuring out? Yeah. Like you know, there's a lot of politics I've had to navigate, and a lot of like here project proposals I've had to write for like things I think we should have basic access to as peer workers but I think you just do it for the young people that you're working with like Mm. I think about Mm. the amount of help that I could potentially provide and I want to be an option to those young people if they want to choose peer work if it's good for them then I want to be there for them and that's basically it like that's what motivates me is the young people Yeah. yeah amazing (laughs) <laughs> so good oh, i'm feeling inspired right now yeah. <laughs> i'm ready for monday <laughs> i'm really excited to, yeah. to see this um area really develop over, mm. over the coming coming years um yeah. because just just listening to you talk about it now emily i think has, has been really really quite fantastic Thank um, you. and um i can't, I can't wait to, to work with um, peer workers and people of lived experience mm. moving forward um, and to really utilize them as you mentioned of experts of experience I mean, I, I'm just I just think about coupling that with like clinical expertise yeah. like the things that we could do oh, I just get excited Aaron <laughs> I really do <laughs> so good man experts of experience. That's, that's the title of the podcast right there <laughs> so good cool alright well how about <laughs> We get to. You can't yes. see this, listeners, but I'm holding up He's the can of beer a Nursing lot. a beer. <laughs> yes. I'm going to have one final sip, I think, to collect my thoughts. Mm. Good. Good stuff. Mm. Now, I like a good ginger beer, Aaron. Mm. And uh, I think this is pretty good ginger beer. Um, as I mentioned before, could be a bit dangerous, though. <laughs> because it does not at all taste alcoholic. Um, it doesn't. Yeah. It's actually um, so surprising. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And I guess, look, depending on what sort of day you get me on, mm. that either um, grossly inflates the rating I give it or, um, or deflates it. Yeah. Um, no. Obviously, no. <laughs> it wouldn't inflate it because we, we only practice responsible drinking of alcohol here at Beer Supervision, Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> What does yeah. beer tasting like alcohol have to do with responsible drinking? Because if it's... Uh, <laughs> Sorry, destroy your if segue. It's grossly overinflated, oh. um, that would suggest that I'm I'm happy to drink many, 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 <laughs> um, many, 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 
many, many, many, many, many, many beers. Yes. <laughs> and that would be irresponsible. Um, and that would be irresponsible. Yeah, we don't endorse, um, we don't endorse that. Yeah, no, to the six-year-olds, don't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah all those, all those underage responsible, listeners out there. Yeah. Responsibly drink, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, um, I, I, I was saying before this podcast episode to Emily that I just like ginger. Mm. Um, so you picked a good one for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm going to give this a nice 4.5 out of 5. Ooh, yeah. that's, that's how much That's how much I like ginger. Yeah, I would, I would happily drink, drink this Ooh. again mm. and again and again. Yeah. And again. But oh, on oh. separate sort of like sittings, <laughs> yeah. not not all in like one <laughs> sitting. Yeah. 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 Again, yeah, really gotta drill in the <laughs> yeah. responsible like side of the Oh, this is too much for anymore. Ah, okay. <laughs> um cool. Um yes, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was good. Definitely drink again. Um I don't know. It's hard for me to, to rate it based on the other beers we've drunk yeah. because it's just so different. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, I'll give it a, a, I think a four is a good amount. Mm. Yeah, no. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Yeah. Would drive free drink again. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Mm. I haven't given anything a five. Have I given anything a five yet? I don't think anybody's given anything a five yet. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I feel like a five is, is one of those ones where, like, can you really give a five? Like, <laughs> is, is there a perfect beer? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah. it's good. Thank you so much for bringing it. No, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, cool. What's your rating, Emily? Um, it is as good as I remember, which is really good. But I do it makes me miss home quite a bit. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I would say probably about four point five out of five, purely mm. because I want to save that five for something. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what that is. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's just you know. Somebody out there will make yeah. the beer that. Yeah. That's it. I think we'll, <laughs> makes we'll this have podcast. To, we'll... Good quality. Yeah, we'll, have get, we'll have to get someone on who, who has experience in, in both mental health and brewing beers. Who mm. just brews like the most oh. amazing of beers. And then we can just be like, it's a five. You'll never have it uh, because it's, it's a home <laughs> yeah. brew. Um, we don't have to worry about anybody drinking it and being like, hang on a minute. <laughs> this beer is terrible. Yeah. Um, so if you want a five-star reading from Beer Supervision, please brew your own beer and come on to our podcast. Yes. Very much appreciated. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast, Emily. Really appreciate it. It It's been great. Yeah. And you'll see both me. You will listen to me and both Jetsy in two more weeks. Yes. Brand new guest. Very exciting. Yes. Yes. Yes, we will. It's going to be good fun. Mm. Um, Yeah. 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 It's good. Should we talk about it? No, just leave it a secret. Nah, let's let's just leave it a secret. Deep, dark secret. Yeah. (laughs) Deep and dark. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) But pretty good. You know, it's not bad. (laughs) Talking about the death of the world. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. The podcast on on climate change. That'll be a good one. Yeah. Yeah. We'll start that soon. No. No. That's that's Okay. Whatever. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Don't crush my dreams. It's fine. All right. (laughs) See you, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Be a Supervision, the podcast where we talk about the joys of working in mental health over a cold brew. We record every two weeks, often with guests from the mental health field. If you could leave us a rating on iTunes, that would really help us out. Or share it with someone who might find it helpful. If you'd like to contact us with feedback or questions, or even just to say hi, definitely do at beersupervisionpodcast at gmail.com. And you can find Be a Supervision on Facebook and Twitter. Our opinions are our own, the beers we drink are chosen just by us, and we don't receive any sponsorships. We'll see you next time.